0: Hello, this is Bretton Martin with the podcast at Chesbro Baptist Church. We're continuing in our series through the book of 1 Peter, entitled Behind Enemy Lines. We're going to be finishing out 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning, and the title of the message is Glorious Submission. Peter's going to show us how submission can glorify God. Please enjoy. All right, First Peter chapter two. Uh, we're going to continue in our series through the book of First Peter called "Behind Enemy Lines." <coughs> if you have your places in First Peter, I'm going to ask you to stand, respect, and reverence the Word of God. We'll begin reading in chapter two of First Peter, in verse number 13, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to good and to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongly. For what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults? Ye shall take it patiently. But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to them that judgeth righteously." who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. The title of the message this morning is Glorious Submission. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you once again for giving us an opportunity to come into your house. Lord, I pray that you'd fill this place, protect us, Lord. Give us ears to hear, a heart that's open to receive your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. One of the jobs I had when I was in Bible college is I worked for a company called McKesson Pharmaceuticals. What they were, McKesson, they supplied pharmacies. They were a pharmacy supplier. We did uh, Rite Aid. We did Walmarts. We did just about everybody except for Walgreens. Walgreens had, uh, they used Cardinal. But McKesson, we're a pharmaceutical supplier. When I got this job, you know, one of the things I noticed is the supervisors, they looked like they had cushy jobs. Like the supervisors, they just kind of rode around and just kind of watched everybody do their work, and they didn't do a whole lot of work. So one of my goals was to become a supervisor. Man, I'm going to be a supervisor like them. Well, after about a year there working, I got my wish, and I became a supervisor. And I was ready just to roll around on a cart all day and just look busy, but really not be busy. I was looking forward to that. And that was not the case. You know why? Because there is a universal truth. And here it is. Everybody has a boss. Everybody answers to somebody. And even those supervisors, they had people that they had to answer to. And... Today, in my experience at the oil chain shop, uh, you, know, uh, I, it's, you know, you may not believe this, but I do come across people who don't want to submit to my authority as their boss. Can you believe it? Can you, can you believe it? It's extremely hard to find a submissive employee. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you at all today. What Peter is teaching us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the Scripture today is he's teaching us that submission is a way of glorifying God. There are many ways to glorify God, but one way to glorify God is submission. So we're going to take this passage, and we're going to separate it into three sections. sections. This first section is verses 13 through 17, and we're going to call this section Submit to the Government. Submit to the Government. Let's look at the first two words of verse 13. Submit yourselves. Submit yourselves. So what's the first thing we see? The first thing we see is I am supposed to submit myself and not wait for the government to submit me. I am to submit myself. When an officer stops and gives you a command, obey the police so many times i was look at these traffic stops and i watch these videos on youtube i watch live pd and i'm thinking if just do what the police officer tells you to do so many bad things happen when a police officer pulls you over because you do not obey the officer look even if you think the officer is wrong still obey guess what the way our system works out You get what's called a day in court. You will have an opportunity to stand across from your accuser, and he will not be able to say one word, and you'll get to do all the talking. You will have your day in court. Even if you think he's wrong, still obey. I'm sure what the truth is. The truth is that most of the time, people that give police officers grief is because they have something to hide because they've done something wrong in the first place. You know, even if you did something wrong, be honest about it. Be honest. If you messed up, just be honest with them. An officer will probably go a little easier on you if you go easy on him. But we look at three categories today. Three categories in this verse right here that we are to submit to. And let's go through them. Let's look at this verse. Submit yourselves to every, here's the first one, ordinance of man. So that's the first one. For the Lord's sake, whether it be to, here's the second one, the king, as supreme, or, here's the third one, as unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him. Okay, that's three. For the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. So we got three categories here that we're to submit to. Okay, it's ordinance of men, ordinance of man, king, governors, and those they send. Let's go through these one by one. First, the ordinance of man. I want you to notice it doesn't just say we're just supposed to obey the ordinance of God. We're supposed to obey the ordinance of man too. If man makes up a law, we have to obey that law. We are to obey the ordinance of man. Oh, but Brother Brett, didn't Peter just tell us that we're a holy nation and we're citizens of this country over here and that's where our loyalty is to? Yes, he did. But then he followed up with, you got to obey man too. Yes, you're a citizen of heaven, but you got to obey the government too. You have to obey the ordinance of man. You have to obey their laws, even if you think they are, they are lame. There are some lame, stupid laws out there, and guess what? You gotta obey them. You gotta obey them. Let me give you an example. When Obamacare was passed, I fell right in a bracket where I, even with the tax breaks, I still couldn't afford health insurance, and now I'm getting my uh, my tax refund taken taken away. So the first, what, the first year was a little bit of ta- my tax refund was taken away. The next year was most of my tax refund was taken away. And then the last year, all of my tax refund got taken away. And I don't know about you, but I depended on that tax refund. I mean, there is a little something called Earn income credit. Praise the Lord. Those who have kids know what I'm talking about. Earned income credit is not a stupid law. That is a good law. So I look forward to that earned income credit. I look forward to that that tax refund, because look, I don't know about y'all, but I was in a position where I I could accrue a lot of debt in a year. I look forward to getting that tax refund and paying my debt off and breathing for, even if it's just two or three months, and the debt started to rack back up again, just breathing for two or three months, just get caught up on my bills and just be. You know, it felt good. And then when they started taking my tax refund away, I got scared. I quit my job. I said, I got to make more money. So I started driving an 18-wheeler. That was disastrous. That wasn't of the Lord. I should have consulted God on that one. Uh, That was not a good decision. But you know what? The Lord worked it out to where he was able to put me back where I was. And if he'd have never done that, I'd never be pastor of this church. Because the Lord put me back at my oil chain shop, and then two months later, I was your pastor. If I wasn't pastoring, if I wasn't working at that oil chain shop, I wouldn't be able to pastor here. So the Lord knows what he's doing, and I have health insurance now. So the Lord worked it out. But guess what? You have to obey laws even if they're lame. Even if they're stupid. You have to obey the ordinance of man. Here's the second category, the king. Now look, just because I have a heavenly authority, that doesn't mean that I can't, say, serve in the military. That doesn't mean that I can't then salute the flag. There are religions, or more specifically cults out there, that don't have any uh, uh, allegiance to the nation because they're all citizens of the nation of heaven. Yes, we are, but we're also to uh, obey this nation. We're to honor our nation. I went to elementary school in the 80s, okay? What we did in the 80s is we did pledges. We did Pledge of Allegiance every morning in elementary school. I got out of fifth grade and I went to sixth grade in middle school and on middle school we didn't do the allegiance. I don't know if it was because they quit doing it or because you're just in middle school, I I don't know. But then in seventh grade, I started going to a Christian school, and once again, I was back to saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day. But guess what? Kids today, they don't know the Pledge of Allegiance. About the only time they get to say it is the week they come to vacation Bible school, and some churches don't even do it. Now, I used to say the, say the Pledge of Allegiance backwards with my eyes closed, spinning around, I knew it so, so well, but we don't, we don't do that anymore. I am told by my king to recognize the earthly king. That's what I'm told to do. There is absolutely no conflict between my national loyalty and my loyalty to God. There is no conflict. In fact, I honor God through my submission to my nation, I honor God through that. Next category. As unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him. So the governors and then those that the governor sends, okay? So we are to submit from the highest to the lowest. I touched on it a little earlier, but in America, we have a big crisis in America because we don't want to submit to the authority of the police, okay? Okay? We don't want to submit to that authority. I need your ID. Oh, I'm not gonna give you your ID. Why'd you pull me over? Da-da-da-da-da. I'll tell you once you give me your ID. If you don't give a police officer your ID, they will come in and get your ID. They're going to get it one way or another. But look, let's be honest. Is every single solitary police officer out there perfect? No. Do police officers make mistakes and bad calls? Yes, sometimes they do. But it's not my job My job to evaluate that officer to see if he's worthy of my respect. Officer pulls me over. All right, officer, I got 20 questions for you to see if you're worthy of me obeying you. No, that's not my job. My job is to submit. My job is to obey. There's a good saying in the military. Salute the rank. Salute the rank. Let's say there's an elected official. That you don't like. I'm pretty sure you could name a couple of them. Let's say there's an elected official that you don't like. You don't have to like that person, but you do need to respect the rank. You do need to respect the office. You do need to respect the position. Yes, vote how you want to vote. But if your guy or your gal doesn't get in that office, if they're not there, then guess what? You still have to obey you still have to submit, you still have to respect the office. I had a I'm a conservative, okay? I had a lot of I knew a lot of Republicans that the 8 years Bill Clinton was president and the 8 years Barack Obama was president, I heard it when in both terms, uh, when both of them were president, I heard, "Well, he's not my president." Well, according to scripture, he is. According to scripture they are. You know what? Same with Donald Trump. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a couple people that don't like Donald Trump. Just a few of them. You can count them on a hand or two. Okay? There are people that don't like Donald Trump, but guess what? He's still their president. That's right. Nonetheless, that, that doesn't change. Even if you don't like the man, you have to respect the office. Let me read for you Daniel 7.17. This is interesting in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and it bestows on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. God sets the people over us who's over us. Not just the presidency, but the governorships, the mayors, the sheriffs, and sometimes somebody gets elected into these positions and you look at the person who, who got the position, you think, what in the world? What in the world were people thinking putting that guy in that position? You know who put him there? God did. God put him there. God is in control. God is sovereign. God puts these people in these positions. You know, sometimes he doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we've earned and he gives us what we deserve. What did the Israelites, they wanted a king. God didn't want them to have a king, but they wanted a king. He gave them the desire of their heart and sent leanness under their soul. So sometimes we get what we deserve. Sometimes we get what we've earned. So why do this? Why submit to these authorities? Why do it? Back to verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Why submit to authority? Because it looks bad on me when I don't obey the people that he set before me. It looks bad on me. At the end of the day, my submission to the government is about my relationship with God. If I have a right relationship with God, then I will submit to the government. Verse 15. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance Of foolish men. You know what language everybody understands? Lost or saved, child of God or no. You know what language everybody understands? Everybody understands the language of honor and respect. Everybody gets that. So when foolish men see our obedience, and they see our when unregenerate man or men that criticize us or want to silence us or want to stop us, when they see our obedience and they see our submissions, it put our submission it puts their criticisms to silence. Our behavior is a way to defend the gospel, just by how we act. Those who will never read the Bible, those who will never even pick up a Bible, will read your life. So do right. And when you do the right thing, me and you put to silence those who would want to silence us. We put them to silence. When we do the right thing, when we submit, when we obey. Verse 16. as free. Not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. You know what these Christians were doing? These Christians were using their freedom or their liberty in Christ to justify their sin. God came to take, Christ came to take sins away, not to justify sin. Oh, well, you know, I'm saved, I have liberty in Christ, so I don't have to obey the law. I'm I'm free from the law. I can do whatever I want to do. Well, yes, you are free, but we got to ask you a question. What exactly are you free from? What are you free from? You're not free from duty to God. We're not free from obedience to God's laws, which also says we are to submit to the government. That's not what we're free from. What are we free from? We are spiritually free from sin. We are free from Satan. We are free from the ceremonial law. But then he warns us, don't use your freedom as an excuse to do wicked things. At the beginning of verse 16, we're free. But you know, at the end of verse 16, we're servants again. So I start out as free. Yes, I'm free. But at the end of the day, even though I'm free, I'm still a servant of God. So I am free from sin, but I am not free to sin. Verse 17. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. You know how you honor all men? Humility. Humility. That's how you do it. Honor all men. Humility is put other people's needs above your own. That's what you do. What does a lost man need? The number one thing a lost man needs is Christ. So your number one goal is to give them Christ. And that's putting them above you. That's that's all it is. That's how you honor all men. Do you know if everybody in the world esteemed others higher than themselves, there'd be no war? If everybody else put everybody's other's needs in front of their own, there'd be no war. There'd be no conflict right now because you always put other people's needs ahead of your own. That's how you do it. You be humble. Okay. Next, it says love the brotherhood. Remember, we as Peter's touched on this already. We as Christians, we're family. We're not just people who just gather once a week or twice a week. We are a family. Man, we see this theme all through Peter. He's like, yes, do good to everybody, but man, you need to take care of each other. Man, Christians, you need to take care of other Christians first. Honor all men, but love your brothers, love your sisters. And then it says, fear God. That word fear in front of God, it puts God at the top of this list. You know why I don't need to fear all men? Because I'm not accountable to all men. You know why I don't need to fear fear my brothers, my, the brotherhood? You know why? Because I'm not accountable to the brotherhood. You know why I don't need to fear the king? I am not accountable to the king. I need to fear God because God is the one I am accountable to. So fear God but, and honor the king. Next is honor the king. Don't honor the king more than God. Honor the king because of God. Honor the king because of God. So now, now I'm not only to submit to the authority, I'm to honor the authority. You want to see what the difference is? Don't make me and Brother Jay do the father-son skit again. We'll do it. Okay. We'll do it. I'm apparently the best dad. All right. So listen, so we are not only to submit, but we are to honor. Now, I will give you an example. Jesus one time called Herod a fox, and it wasn't because he was foxy, okay? He called him a fox because he was sly. He was a shyster. Uh, That describes kind of a lot of politicians today, doesn't it? But, uh, but he, was shy, he was sly. He was a shyster. So what that shows us, Jesus showed us it's okay to call it like it is. You don't have to just bow down and keep your tongue sh- keep your mouth shut. You, hey, you, you, you can call it like it is. But at the same time, you have to honor that position. Because at the end of the day, God placed that person there. Yes, Jesus called him a fice because he's a sly shyster. But at the same time, Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar. Section number two, verses 18 through 20. We're going to call this submit to our employers. Submit to our employers. Verse 18. Subjects, uh, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. Now, when I was at Open Door, I loved doing ministry work. Loved it. Man, when I go, I have my little office. I was, a, I was assistant pastor at Open Door. I was a choir director, and I was a children's pastor. And I had my little broom closet office. And I love my little broom closet office. I go in my office. I do my ministry. I do my studying. I loved it. And uh, I'd go in the choir room, and I'd get all the choir books together and lay out. I did every six months at a time what songs we were going to sing in the choir. I loved doing my ministry work. But I was called the full-time Christian service. I wasn't called the part-time Christian service. That's what I was called to. And I love that because that's exactly what I want to do with my life. God knows what he's doing. And nothing makes me happier than that. But so that would mean when I left the church and I'd go to my secular job, I would get depressed. Because I'd be like, this isn't what God wants me to do. I would go to my secular job and I would get just be so depressed about it because, man, this isn't what I want to do with my life. I don't want to do this. I want to be at the church. I'm going to work at the church and work for the ministry. That's what I want to do. And I would just get depressed uh, uh, about it. And, you know, I but I would say, OK, I'm doing this so I can do the ministry. I'm doing this so I can do the ministry. But then I got to pastor here. When I came here and started pastoring, my attitude towards my job changed. So now my job was no longer, I'm doing this so I can do my ministry. Now I look at it like my job's a part of my ministry. Because my job's a part of my ministry, I'm not depressed anymore. I'm content with it. I'm content with it whatsoever comes in your hand to do, do it as unto the Lord. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Look at your job like a ministry. Look at Joseph. Take Joseph, for example. I'm sure Joseph would have wanted to bend over in Israel, been over with his dad, been over there with his family, went to the family altar and, and, and went to the temple and went to the tabernacle. And uh, I'm sure Joseph would have wanted to worship over where God wanted him to worship. And Joseph would have wanted to do that. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph was forced into a secular job. So what did Joseph do? He did it as unto the Lord and God used him greatly. And God did many mighty, wonderful works through Joseph even though he was forced to do a secular job. He still did something great for God. I'll start talking again when I find my space. That's the problem with walking away from the pulpit is you lose your place. And then the the verse says, with all fear. You know what that means? Treat the boss like they're the boss. Treat the boss like they're the boss. Look, it's okay to submit to someone that's ungodly if, they, if you work for them. That is okay. They are accountable for them and me and you are accountable for us. We're not accountable for their life. I'm just accountable for mine. So just do the job you're hired to do. People don't hire people and say, well, do what you think is right. (laughs) No, 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 no. People don't hire people like that. Do what you're supposed to do and God will honor that. And then it says, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward or the harsh, also to the harsh. Look, I've had good Christian bosses. In fact, the boss that I have right now, Mr. Lynn Cleveland, He's quite literally, this is no exaggeration, he is the best boss I've ever had. He's a good Christian man. His whole family is Jehovah Witness, but he's a Christian. And he's a good Christian man. He's fair. Not saying he doesn't get hot from time to time. He can get hot, okay? But the thing is, he never loses control of his temper, okay? He is, he is a very good Christian. Christian man he's the best boss I've ever had and I've had other bosses like that but then I've had bosses that weren't so good then I've had bosses that weren't so godly and some of you could probably relate to that I had a boss one time that Nobody respected his authority, but of course I'm a Christian, I'm going to Bible college, I'm going to respect his authority. Yes sir, no sir, respect his authority, do what he tells me to do. And so I was like the only one that really respected his authority. And instead of doing good to me because of that, he abused me because of that. Because I was so respectful, he abused, he took advantage of me because of that. Because I was so respectful. You know what I was supposed to do in that situation? Obey him anyway. Obey them anyway. Do your part even if they aren't doing their part. You still do your part. Look, flesh, it hooks flesh. And when their carnal sin nature flesh reaches out and slaps you, your flesh wants to reach out and slap them back and your fle- their flesh is pulling your flesh out. That's, that's, just the, that's just the truth. That's just the way life is. But that... Is the test of the Christian life. That's the test. Don't treat people how they treat you. Treat people how you want them to, tr- how uh, you want to be treated. Wait a minute, let me, let me read that. We're not to treat others how they treat us, but we're to treat others how we want to be treated. Yeah, that's right. That's what we're supposed to do. But Brother Brett, why did they treat me wrong? No, they treated me wrong. They was really bad, Brother Brett. They treated me wrong. What are we supposed to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's the next verse. Verse 19. For this is thankworthy. Let's stop there. Here's what thankworthy means. Thankworthy means commendable. When your actions are thankworthy, they're thankworthy to God. They're commendable to God. Your actions glorify God. That's what thankworthy means. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. What does that verse say? That verse says it's a win when we suffer. It's a win. Why? Listen, you're going to suffer. It's going to happen. You might as well accept, accept it. People who have authority in your life are going to mistreat you. It is going to happen. You are going to be treated wrongly. All believers suffer persecution. We all do. Now, look, anytime I talk about persecution, I always preface it like, oh, we don't know what real persecution is like. They back there in the day when they got martyred, all the martyrs, they're really persecuted. We don't know what persecution is. And uh, all that's true. True. But you've got to understand that that persecution is also slander. That is also persecution. It is persecution when you get overlooked because of your faith. It is persecution when you get overlooked because of your belief. It is persecution when people talk bad about you behind your back. It is persecution because you're Christian. It is persecution when people start false accusations and start false gossip about you because you're Christian. That is persecution. It doesn't compare with them who are being martyred, but it's persecution nonetheless. Matthew 5.11. This is Jesus talking. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say falsely all kinds of evil against you because of me. Slanderous persecution. So we can experience persecution too. Now, here's the thing Does the suffering mean something? That's the key here. Does your suffering, you're being persecuted as a Christian. Does your suffering mean something? Is your suffering thankworthy? Is your suffering commendable? Does your suffering glorify God? Man, if I'm going to suffer anyway, I want my suffering to mean something. Okay, when is it thankworthy? Well, number one, it's thankworthy. It's commendable. It glorifies God. It means something when you suffer when the suffering is wrong. When the suffering that you experience, it's, it's wrong, okay? so Let's look at that for a second. You probably know people like this. Have you ever know somebody who likes to play the victim? Ooh, they love to play the victim. And they're suffering when you know they're really not suffering. They just want the attention. They're really not suffering. They just like to play the victim. Or, or the suffering is brought on because of they did something wrong. So they did something stupid and they did something wrong, and because of that, their suffering, that's not wrong suffering. That's called consequences to actions. That's not wrong suffering. You can't say you're suffering wrongly if you're doing wrong. Okay, then the suffering becomes consequences of our actions. Okay, so number one, if you want your suffering to mean something, it's got to be wrong, suffering. It can't be fake, and it can't be consequences of something stupid that we have done. Next, it says, also, if a man for conscience toward God, what does that mean? That means while I'm suffering, my heart is towards God. If I'm suffering, and I'm not paying God any attention but all of a sudden I start to suffer. Oh, I'm suffering because I'm a Christian. I'm suffering because I believe. When's the last time you've been to church? When's the last time you read your Bible? When's the last time you prayed? You're suffering because you're a Christian? You're not acting like a Christian. Man, the only time you're suffering means something if while you're suffering you have a literal heart towards God, and then it means something. Okay, and then it says uh, also that if I endure the suffering, so you endure it enduring the suffering doesn't mean i approve of it it just means that i'm that i'm patient with it i'm patient with it so when persecution comes in our lives and we begin to suffer we want that suffering to mean something when does the suffering mean something when is the suffering thankworthy when is the suffering commendable When does the suffering glorify God? When number one, while I'm suffering, I have a heart towards God. I genuinely am seeking after God. I'm seeking after Him. Number two, when I patiently endure it, not not going out seeking revenge and threatening and reviling and trying to get back at the person, but I'm patiently enduring it. And number three, when it is legitimately wrong, not fake suffering, not suffering I brought on myself, when it is legitimate suffering, then and only then can your suffering actually mean something. Verse 20 for what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? Let's stop there. This goes back to what I said about uh, fake suffering or consequence suffering, okay? To be punished for your wrongdoings, it doesn't credit anybody. It doesn't credit me. It doesn't credit you. It doesn't credit God. God basically says if you make your own bed, you lay in it. It doesn't help anybody. Continuing in the verse. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. But when I did no wrong and then I suffer, then I'm complimented before God. Then it, I glorify God in that. Cuz look, let me tell you let me lay something down for you. Chances are chances are You're being persecuted a lot less than if people would have caught you doing wrong. Um, Chances are we've gotten away with a lot more than we're being persecuted for. We've gotten away with a lot more. It's like when an officer pulls you over and they say, do you know why I pulled you over? You better keep your mouth shut and say, I don't know. Because more likely you're going to confess to something that's worse than what he got you on and why he pulled you over. Section 3, Jesus is our example. This is verses 21 through 25. Verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. You may say, oh, man, it's not fair that I'm suffering. Man, this guy over here, he's a sinful guy, and I'm suffering because he's sinful. I'm suffering because of his sin. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something, something somebody else may have went through? That's what Christ did. He suffered because of other people's sin. Jesus is our ultimate example of someone who was punished unjustly. He is our ultimate example of that. You may suffer because of somebody else's sins, but while you're suffering, you remember that Jesus suffered for your sins. He, and he did it to a degree that me and you could never do it. He bore our sins. He took his sins and put his sins on us. Man, I, uh, I could never do that, but he did that. This says, "For where for hereunto were ye called. Hold on a second. Hold the phone. As a Christian, I'm called to suffer. I'm called to suffer as a Christian. Look, the Christian life is not always a beautiful thing. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, candy drops and lollipops. It is not. Sometimes there is pain. Sometimes there is hardship. Sometimes there is persecution. And if you really want to get perspective on it, the Christian life is as close to hell as me and you will ever get. That is some perspective for you. There is suffering, there is pain, there is persecution, there is hardship. It's coming. We got to mentally prepare ourselves so that when the suffering comes, we can glorify God through it because it is coming. We have to prepare. He bore my sins. a Man, that's something that I could never do. But you know what I can do? I can follow in his footsteps. And I can willingly, willingly suffer wrongfully uh, for those who want to cause me to suffer, even if they are authority in my life. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying if you're getting mistreated at work, I'm not saying you can't go get another job. You don't like your job, quit your job, go get another one. I would make sure you had a job before you quit the job you have because your bills aren't going to stop coming. But if you don't like your job, go get another job. I'm not saying if, something does some, if somebody does something illegal to you, you can't take action. Somebody does something illegal to you, call the cops. Call a lawyer. Do what you got to do. But at the same time, you understand there is endurance and patience that, that comes with that. While you're waiting on justice to be served, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to endure. And there is a chance that justice will never come. Then you'll have to be patient. Then you'll have to endure. Because justice may not come. Paul appealed to the law. Paul said, oh, oh, I'm I'm, I'm a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. I appeal to Caesar. Paul did it. Paul appealed to Caesar. So you can do that but in the confines of submission to the law. Verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. When Jesus suffered, he didn't look back and say, okay, you made me suffer. Now I'm going to make you suffer. Although he could have. He definitely could have. You read through the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I would suggest... Everybody, Every Christian. It's a very short book. It's not a long book. I would just, every Christian, find a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs and read through it. You look back at these Christians who were in the early church who were persecuted, who were martyred. These Christians were beaten. They were hung. They were burned alive. They were crucified. They were thrown off the temple. They were stoned. They were impaled. They were filleted alive. And you know what their attitude was? Their attitude wasn't, oh, woe is me. No, woe is me. Ah." That wasn't their their attitude. You know what their attitude was? Their attitude was, you know what? God's got something better for me. And I can't wait till Christ fulfills the promises that he promised to me. Matthew 5.10 Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So not only should I not be surprised when suffering comes, not only should I not be surprised when persecution comes, but you know what? I should have a joy. And I should say, Lord, for this pain, there is a reward. There's a reward for this pain I'm going through. Verse 24. Who His own self bore, bore our sins and His own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. You know what Peter's doing here? Peter's quoting Isaiah 53 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisements of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I want you to know this morning that we are healed spiritually and we are healed physically through the suffering of Christ. Because of Christ's suffering on the cross, I have an eternal home in heaven one day with my Savior. Because of the suffering of Christ on the cross, one day I will have a glorified body that will know no pain. It will know no disease. It will know no tears. know what Peter points out? Peter points out here that, look, if you're treated unjustly, if you're treated unfairly by authority, do not fear what that authority can do to you because one day you will be healed. One day you will be restored by the suffering of Christ. Verse 25. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Man, if it wasn't for Jesus' patience, and endurance on the cross, man, I'd still be going astray. So man, if he can experience that cross right there with patience and endurance, even though he had the power to come off of it, and he didn't, he endured it. And somebody's saying something about me that's not right, somebody lying about me, I can endure that. I can be patient with that. Because of His work, we'll return to our shepherd. We'll return to the overseer of our souls. Now I want to close with this. We will suffer for Him. We will suffer. But you know what? One day, He's going to restore us. One day, whether that restoration be here on the earth or whether that restoration be in heaven, one day we will be restored. But what are we to do until then? Wait on God. Wait on the Lord. Psalms thirty-seven, thirty-four. Wait on the Lord, keep His way. He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Like, like uh, waiting on God is like Abraham going into the land that God called him to go to and then waiting on God to do the thing that God said He would do. That's, just, that's waiting on God. However long it takes. Let me read you some more Psalms 37. Listen to this as I read it to you. I have seen the wicked in great power spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought for him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man. Behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors, shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. It is thankworthy. It is commendable. It is glorious to God when we suffer wrongfully. When we do it with a heart that's towards God, when we take it patiently, we don't seek revile, we don't threaten, and just say, God, I commend myself to you, that's commendable to God. Look, everything in this world is temporary, even your suffering. Even your suffering is temporary. And at the end of the day, at the end of time, Christ will be the only one that matters. Let me ask you a question. Are you suffering today? Are you going through some suffering right now? My advice to you, wait on the Lord.